Hey, Go Church. Oh, how I miss you so much. And I can hardly wait until we can gather together again face to face. But until then, I'm thrilled that you're joining us online today. And here at Go Church, you know that we love to honor our military men and women and our first responders. So we honor you today. We thank you for your service. Can you help me honor them in the comments section today? And we also want to honor all of our moms. Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms that are joining us. Man, today is your day. You have been quarantined for weeks at home with your families, and you deserve a day of rest. So if you can take advantage of that, make sure that you do. I know Mother's Day looks, looks a lot different for all of us this year, not what we expected. You know, maybe you, you don't usually have to cook for yourself on Mother's Day, but today you do. Or maybe you, don't, you get to be with your mom on Mother's Day and today you don't. I don't know what Mother's Day looks like for you, but I just pray it is a beautiful day where you feel blessed and you feel the love of your church family and your family there at home. And we hope that you feel celebrated and loved because you know, moms, they're some of the hardest working people there are. Amen to that, right? Dads, you better say amen real loud where she can hear you. I mean, in this season with this pandemic has been so different. And, and for many of you, you've been given the title of teacher overnight. So we're now homeschooling our kids. And, and then for you essential workers and you frontline workers, you're working all day long. And then you're coming home to your normal responsibilities and to teaching your children. You're just working harder than ever before, moms. So fellas and kids, spoil your mom today. Celebrate her in every fantastic, creative way that you can think of and make sure she knows how much you love her. And I wanna take this opportunity to say happy Mother's Day to my mama. Happy Mother's Day, mom. I love you so much and I'm so, so grateful for you and the impact that you've had on my life. Why don't you take a minute and just write in the comments section your mama's name and wish her a happy Mother's Day too. Well, it's an honor for me to get to speak and share with you today. And I just have to say that our pastor has done a fantastic job throughout this pandemic of bringing the word to us through our online gatherings. I am just so proud of him. I'm so thankful for him. The Holy Spirit is just using him as he prays and as he fasts and studies and prepares. And I just want to say I love you and I'm so proud to be your wife. Can you just show our pastor some love in the comments section? Well, I want to share with you today something that the Lord has been speaking to my heart throughout this, this entire season that we've been going through. Um, this is not a normal time, and, and the Lord has caused us to be still. Now, that's easier said than done, right? Unless you're forced to be still. Well, throughout this time that that I've been at home, I felt convicted about the way that we lived our lives personally before COVID-19. I mean, we were busy, 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 and maybe you can relate to me on this. I mean, I was always on the go, always on the run, always had something on my schedule. I overbooked our calendar. There was no time for stillness. I mean, we were running on Dunkin' or we were living off of Starbucks or energy, energy drinks, and, and we couldn't just find enough time to just 
be still. And, and to be honest, throughout this pandemic, there has been days where we've been so busy, even though we were at home. We've just been busy, busy, busy. But I'm just not so sure that that's the way that God wants us to live our lives. So I want to look at Psalm verse 40, 46, verse 10 today with you. And it says this, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. And when you look at that verse and you just read it by itself, you might think that God is just asking us to take a rest, go take a nap, to lay down, be still. But as you research that verse and the time that it's coming from, you see that it's so much more than that. This verse is actually coming from a time of war and a time of chaos and major problems for God's people. They're in the middle of a battle. So when he says, be still here, he's not saying it just as a comfort to them. He's saying it as a command, like a general or like a leader of the army. And so when he's saying it to us today too, he is commanding us, stop the chaos, be still, everybody freeze. And when I think about that, it reminds me of when I was a kid in elementary school. And I remember that there would be days at school where the entire class, we would come back from uh, PE maybe, or recess, or lunch even, or just some fun activity, and we'd go back into the classroom. And if you're a teacher, you can probably relate to this. And, and the class would just go wild. I mean, kids running around, jumping, throwing, yelling, whatever, just wild. Well, the teacher, she wouldn't be too far behind us and she'd walk in and I don't know about your teacher, but my teacher, she would flip that light switch off and she'd say, everybody freeze. Well, immediately that's what we did because we were quickly reminded who was in charge of that classroom and it was the teacher. And that's what God is doing here in this verse. He's saying, be still, everybody freeze and know that I am God. He's reminding his people, I'm the one that's in charge of this battle. I am the one that's in charge of what you're going through. And I think somebody needs to hear that today. God is in control of your situation. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what this pandemic has caused for you, but have you thought that maybe you are just trying too hard, that you're fighting too hard? that you're just staying up too late at night, worrying about what you're going through. And God is yelling from heaven, be still, everybody freeze and know that I'm in control. He's just calling for us to be still, but yet are we just too busy to notice? I think about the children of Israel. They are finally free from Egypt in Exodus 14. We see that I mean, Pharaoh has, has given them such a hard time. They've been slaves for over 400 years, but Moses comes and God just works a miracle and his people, they're delivered and they leave and they're joyful and they're celebrating. They are well on their way to the promised land and they turn around behind them and they see that Pharaoh and his entire army is coming after them. Well, can you just imagine the chaos in that moment? I mean, they're terrified. They, they think they're about to have to fight a battle that they cannot win or they're gonna drown if they try to cross the sea. So they're, they're 
panicking and they're chaotic and Moses does what he knows to do and he prays and he talks to God and God gives him a command in Exodus 14, 14. And this is what he says to the people. He says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only what? Be still. The Lord will fight for you. You've got to hear that today. The Lord is fighting for you. Now, I'm not saying that we, we shouldn't be prepared for a battle and we shouldn't use wisdom and common sense with our everyday situations. But what I'm saying to you is being still at the feet of Jesus is so much better than being scared. So how do we do this? How can we be still and know that he is God? Well, I want to look at a woman in the Bible by the name of Mary, and she exemplifies what it means to be still and know that he is God. She is the sister of Martha and Lazarus, and there's three specific times that we see her kneeling at the feet of Jesus, but each time she is in very different circumstances in her life. The first time, let's look at that we see Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's in a place of growth. It was such a great place to be. This story is found in Luke 10. And here you have Martha who she has invited Jesus into their home and she is the hostess with the mostest. I mean, she is taking care of Jesus. She's running around, cleaning, preparing food, getting the meal ready, doing all the things that a good host should do. But she notices that Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And I kind of picture her just pacing back and forth in the kitchen thinking, okay, when is Mary going to get in here? When is she going to help me? And then finally she can't take it anymore. And she runs up to Jesus and she says, Jesus, aren't you going to tell her to come help me? I mean, I'm, I'm the only one in here doing all the work and Mary's just sitting still at her feet kind of an awkward sister moment. I mean, she wants Jesus to correct her. And Jesus, you know, he responds just as gracefully as he always does. And, and you know, honestly, we don't want to give Mary, excuse me, Martha a hard time here because her efforts of taking care of Jesus are really a good thing. Like it's a, it's a good thing what she's doing, taking care of Jesus. She was actually doing what was expected of her. I mean, back then, it was a woman's job to be serving the guest and the man's job to be sitting and entertaining the guest. So, so Jesus was there sitting with the men in the room, but there was Mary. So Jesus' response to Martha here was actually shocking. And I'm going to show you what he said, but it was, probably, it was probably shocking for Martha and for Mary. And not only them, but also for the men that were in the room, because because the way Jesus responds, he shows a value for women that had not been taught before. It was not a woman's place to be sitting at the feet of a teacher. No, she was supposed to be serving. But Jesus, he didn't just allow her to sit at his feet and listen. He approved of what she was doing too. Let's look at Luke 10, verse 41 and 42. He says, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about too many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. And Mary, she's chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Yeah, Martha chose what is good, but Mary, she chose what is best. 
She's in a posture of growth, and she is listening at the feet of Jesus. And just like a plant would soak up water, she is soaking up everything he has for her in that moment. You know, how many of us, we go through this life choosing to say yes to some good things, but we're neglecting the very best thing? You know, sometimes you've got to give yourself permission to say no to some good things so that you can say yes to the best thing, which is that time alone with Jesus Christ at his feet. And no matter how long you've known Jesus, whether you've known him for five years or 55 years, you need that time with him. He has something for you. He wants you to grow. That's a healthy place to be always listening and learning and leaning in to what he has for you. Because what isn't growing is usually dying, right? And we don't want to be in that place. So we've got to sit at his feet and be filled up for the things that we're going to face in this life. Now, I want to share with you the second time that we see Mary at Jesus' feet. This time is different. She's in a place of grief. This comes from John 11 and here, Jesus, he, he just runs about four days too late, according to Martha and Mary. Um, Martha and Mary, they are mourning the loss of Lazarus, their brother. He had become sick, and they called for Jesus, and, and, and they wanted Jesus to come. They knew that he could heal them, but Lazarus ends up passing away, and, and Jesus comes four days after he was buried. So Mary and Martha, they are just in the middle of Morning. I mean, these sisters are in the worst pain of their life. You just have to imagine. They're devastated. And maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you can relate to that kind of pain. But Martha hears that Jesus is coming and she runs to meet him. Before he can ever make it to the village, she runs to meet him and she has this encounter with Jesus. And then we see in John 11, verse 28, she runs back to get Mary. And she goes to Mary and she says this to her, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. She says, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. I don't want you to miss what is happening in that moment. Jesus is calling for Mary in the time of her deepest pain and in the time of her deepest grief. And just like Jesus called for Mary in her pain and in her grief, he is calling for you in your pain and in your grief as well. He knows your suffering. He knows your heartache and he's calling you to come. So are you hurting today? He says, come. Are you broken? Are you wounded? Are you crushed? Are you just having a bad day? Are you lonely? He's calling you to come. And our response to him needs to be like Mary's response. She responds by going to him quickly. And in John eleven thirty two, we see where it says, now when Mary came to Jesus and she saw him, she did what? She fell at his feet. And she said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother, he wouldn't have died. Now, listen, that's a strong statement, right? But Jesus, he could have focused on the fact that maybe she was putting a little blame on Jesus, that her brother was dead. But instead, in that moment, he chose to focus on her faith because what she said proved that she believed Jesus could have healed Lazarus. So Jesus 
he responds to her in such a beautiful way. And he was so moved by her pain that he wept. The Bible says Jesus wept. I mean, you have Mary at his feet, weeping, devastated. But Jesus, he knows what's about to happen. He knows he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knows the joy that is going to come over Martha and Mary. Yet he feels her pain and he grieves with her by weeping with her. What amazing love is this? I just want to remind you today that if you're grieving, he knows your pain. And I know for some of you, Mother's Day is not a great day of celebration. For some of you moms, maybe you've lost a child. Or for some of you children, maybe you've lost a mother. For some of you single moms, maybe you're grieving the loss of your marriage. And maybe for some of you out there, you're not able to to have children and you're just grieving the loss of something that won't happen for you just yet. Or maybe this pandemic has caused you to just grieve. Something's been taken from you during this, this whole process. Or maybe you're grieving lost dreams and plans that you had for yourself and your life just doesn't look like what you thought it would look like in this moment and in this time. I have to tell you that he knows what you're going through and he grieves with you. How beautiful is that? But he also knows the outcome of your situation. He also knows what he has for you. And even though it's not what you wanted or what you planned, he's going to work it for your good. It's Romans 8, 28. I want to share a picture of you, a picture with you. This picture is so special to our family. God has used it multiple times to speak to me, but one specific time, uh, and it sticks out to me. And, and many of you have seen it before. And, and if you have, I hope it just reminds you of how good God is. But it's a picture of this little girl, and she has her teddy bear there, just her little teddy bear that she loves so much. And it's her lovey. It's that thing that she can't, she can't sleep without it. She can't go anywhere without it. She can't live without it. It's her favorite toy. She has this teddy bear and she's holding on tight to it. But then you have Jesus who is there and, and he has this huge teddy bear behind his back and he's asking her, please, will you just trust me with it? Will you just trust me with it? And she's saying, but, but I love it, God. Can you relate to that? I know I can. I've had that teddy bear, that thing before that I just held on so tightly to. And Jesus was just simply saying, will you trust me with that? Will you give that to me? I mean, that thing, what is that, what is that thing for you? Maybe it's, maybe it's a job or maybe it is a relationship. Maybe it is something that brings you so much pain, but you just can't let it go. Or maybe it's something that brings you so much joy, but it's not right for you and you just can't let it go. But see, what we can't see is that Jesus, he has a much bigger plan for us. He has something that we can't see the details because why would we need faith and why would we need obedience? But it's so much bigger than what we could imagine or what we could even think. 
His plan is always working for our good. If you've been through something horrible or if your life has been easy, he's working it out for your good. The bad and the good, he's working for your good. And he has this huge teddy bear for you. He has this huge plan for your life. But what you've got to do is give up that thing. You got to trust him with that thing. He knows your pain. He knows you're grieving. He knows what's hurt you. But if you will trust him with it, it will free your hands to receive the bigger plan and the bigger picture that God has for you. I don't know what you're going through today, but instead of just letting anxious thoughts control you, would you let the Lord minister to your heart and remind you that he's in control. Nothing else has the power to control you when Jesus Christ is in control of your life. Can we say amen to that? And if you'll do this, if you'll lay that thing down, you're gonna find that you're in a place where Mary found herself as well. And this is the third place that we see Mary at the feet of Jesus. She's in a place of gratitude this time. Jesus, he has come to dinner with Mary and Martha and Lazarus again. And I love how he's, he comes with this family a lot. He loves them so much. And Lazarus, he's alive and he's well. And Martha, she's serving. That's what she does, right? And Mary, here she comes with a heart of gratitude. She's not in a place of growth this time, not in a place of grief, just full of gratitude. And we see in John 12, verse three, it says, then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet. And she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. This is a beautiful moment because once again, Mary does not care about anything but Jesus. She doesn't care about cooking, cleaning, preparing for him. All she cares about is that she's just overflowing with gratitude for her savior, for what he's done for her. So she takes, she takes that oil and she pours it on his feet. It doesn't matter who's in the room. It doesn't matter what they're going to say about her because they're going to say stuff but she just begins to wipe his feet with her very own hair. And then it says the house was filled with the fragrance of her gratitude. You know, during this time that you've been forced to stay home, have you filled your home with the fragrance of your gratitude for Jesus? Have you shown your family what it means to be grateful when things just aren't going so great? Or have you filled your home with the stench of arguing, complaining, fussing, fighting, or just begging God for all the things that you don't have that you want when really we have so much to be grateful for? And I get it. We've all gone through bad days. We've all gone through good days. There's, there's things we need and, and, and there's things that we want, but we have so much to be grateful for. Are you alive today? Are you well? Is your family alive and well, even if you can't be with them? Are you breathing out of your own lungs? Are you in your right mind? You have so much to be grateful for. Do you have a roof over your head and food to eat? You have so much to be grateful for. And mom and dad, it's up to us. 
It's up to us to set the atmosphere in our home. Are you gonna teach your children an attitude of gratitude? Or, or better yet, are you gonna live out this attitude of gratitude? You have to lead by example because they're gonna do what you do. And how do you do that? Well, you show gratitude to each other. First and foremost, in your home, say thank you for the big things. Thank you for the little things. Point those things out to your children so that they know they are blessed. Another way you show gratitude is when you're in a season where you could really be complaining about something, you show that you're grateful by what you say with your words. And one way that will surely fill up your entire family with gratitude is by serving those that are less fortunate than you. Serving will fill you up. I promise you, if you will take time to sit at the feet of Jesus, you're gonna find that your heart just pours out gratitude. I have a homework assignment for you today. I've become a whole school teacher all of a sudden. So it's my thing, that's what I'm doing. So I'm gonna ask you today to make a list of all the things that you're thankful for, all the things that you're grateful for from small to big, make that list and begin to thank God out loud. And I promise you, you're gonna find you have so much to be grateful for and so little to complain about because we are blessed. Now I'm gonna close, but I just wanna challenge you, create a habit of sitting still at the feet of Jesus. In the middle of your chaos, in the middle of your fear, in the middle of your anxiety, in the middle of your worry, or if you're just in the middle of peace, make time every single day to sit at his feet. Make it a priority and let nothing take that from you. And you don't have to be legalistic about it. Don't give yourself a bunch of rules or, or feel so guilty um, if, if you can't get to it one day because the Lord knows we're in a relationship with him, right? Spend time with him as much as you can. You don't have to sit there for hours, but wake up early in the morning. I promise you he'll meet you there or stay up late at night after everybody's in bed or sit in your car when you're on your lunch break, at your job, wherever you have to go, whatever you have to do, just be still and know that he is God. Listen for his voice, ask him for his help, but thank him for what he's gonna do. Never forget to thank him. As we close, I just want you to reflect on this final question. What are some changes that you need to make in your life in order to be still and know that God is in control. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you so much, God. We thank you that you are in control of everything that we go through, God. You are right there with us, God. God, we thank you that you're always providing and that you're always protecting and that you're always working for our good, even when we can't see it, God. So I pray for those today that are in a season of growth, God, would you continue to allow them to grow in you and to hear your voice, to seek you with all of their heart and to lean into what you have for them. And God, I pray for those that are grieving today, God. God, I pray, God, that you would touch their heart and give them peace. 
Would you allow them to let go of that grief and trust you with it so that you can move in their life? And God, would you fill us all with a heart of gratitude, God? And may our gratitude pour out on those that are around us. Show us what we need to do in order to be still and know that you are in control. We love you, Jesus. Amen.